Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. It's so good to be with you here today. We have a very special edition of the podcast today. It is just me with you, Jenna Layden. I'm the founder of Star Family Wisdom and also a former global vice president of Whole Foods Market. And I'm here with Adam Apollo. And Adam, how are you today? I'm lovely. Thank you so much, Jenna. It's lovely to be back with you again. Yeah, so soon. We just interviewed Adam in a another special episode, a two-parter. Uh, so if you tuned in for that, we're already back with Adam. We couldn't wait, but uh, today's conversation is, is really important. And so we wanted to do this sooner rather than later. But before we get into that, for those who don't know Adam, I just want to briefly introduce you. So Adam is a visionary and a leader who has been in this field, this arena for decades now. He is a physicist and he's actually built the Resonance Academy for Unified Physics. He's also the CEO of Superliminal Systems. He has been a speaker around the world at the United Nations, the White House. And in addition to all of that, Adam has had his own ET contact experiences and uh, profound transpersonal experiences that led him to understand the nature of our reality and his existence in our universe. And uh, he talked extensively about that in the previous episode. So if you want to hear all about past life recall and the amazing supernatural experiences that Adam has had, go back and check out those episodes. And that'll be a, a good context for some of the spiritual discussion that we're getting into today. But today is really around free will. So we want to talk about the topic of free will and sovereignty and both spiritual and physical sovereignty. And this is an important conversation for both of us, given the context of what's happening in the United States right now. So if you're not in the United States and you haven't heard, we recently had a, a historical precedent overturned, which was Roe versus Wade, which was a legal precedent that allowed women in this country to get an abortion and seek health care in ways that support their sovereignty. And so we're now, you know, in a, a different time in the U.S. And this means that many states are outlawing abortion and making it illegal. And, and you know, I think Adam and I wanted to have a conversation around this not from a standpoint of having a, a polarized conversation, but but to talk about you know what this means within the context of us being spiritual beings in addition to human beings. And I think it's really important that we have a spiritual foundation as we're discussing this topic, because I think that's really our only chance of moving from these very polarized points of view to finding some sort of common ground that we can all, you know, move forward on. So, so with that, uh, we'll just get into the conversation. And this is this is the first time Adam and I are talking about this. So for the audience, uh, know that this was not, you know, really pre-planned. We're we're coming together to process our thoughts and feelings around this, and uh, to share what you know we know or believe to be true about our spiritual reality. Yeah, thank you so much, Jenna. Very well 
teed up for us to get into this and you know um we all have a lot of things going on right now in our lives and you know i'm coming off a full day of meetings and other work um but it's it's a deep factor in our greater collective journey right now to start looking at these issues and and most importantly to transcend the kind of political divides um where we just say this is how it is and you're wrong and this is right and you're either red or you're blue or whatever and our country in particular the united states is um you know has a really strong history of polarizing into this intense divide between democrat and republican and essentially trying to bunch everybody into these two major blocks and the reality is that that's not how life is that's not how life works like many of us have participated in one or another of these political parties and believed certain parts of certain political stances to be correct and other parts to be wrong and so a good place to start this journey is to say you know we're we're beings you know beings pick teams you know randomly to compete in different structures but when it comes to creating society and culture that's good for all and good for all life um being in competitive polarized teams isn't actually going to get us to solutions the more we white you know essentially blue wash or red wash people into different sectors and believe that they're against us the less open to dialogue we are the less open to a uh, creative solution making um and the sort of deeper philosophical explorations that if we actually have those conversations a lot of times we find that we're way more aligned than we expected. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree and I I really hope that, you know, anyone listening who is on either side is able to to just kind of sit with that for a moment and 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 approach this as a dialogue and and approach this conversation with anyone in your life as a dialogue and 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 I think you know it gets intensely heated when we are talking about life right and so you know I do want to talk about um the process of honoring life honoring the life giving process those who are life giving um really understanding you know the point of view too of those who feel that this is an act of taking life away right like that that i, I sit with that and feel you know their their i guess intense emotion around that you know i have a different opinion based on my beliefs now and want to talk about that with you but you know i'd, I'd love to hear you know your point of view around um just that act of creation so let's just maybe just go there you know to get that off on the table like how does that that happen what do you know about yeah. this all coming into physicality and how the creation process occurs sure yeah it's a beautiful place to start and i like to start by framing up this idea of the sacredness of life so much of what i've done in my life and dedicated my life to is about understanding that life is sacred and all life is sacred and that it's a journey and it's a process and it's also a process made of choices so the ability for a woman to have a child is connected to her capacity in her body 
to choose to have a partner and have an experience in which she can then birth a child. And ideally, you know, all of that is a conscious choice. All of that is a creative choice that's being made and life is being generated in this sort of orgasmic bliss state between two people that are in love with each other and they're bringing life into this world right? And, and that's what we'd like to see. That's what we'd like to have happen. We'd love for every pregnancy and every child incarnating to be coming through that kind of window. And, and I say incarnating here because it's important that we also take one further step back and recognize and acknowledge that depending on your belief system, you may or may not agree with this. But for me personally, I have had memories and experiences and a lot of things that I talked about in my other episode um, with Star Family Wisdom and Jenna and her team, where I came into very clear visceral awareness as a scientist, as a philosopher, as somebody questioning life, you know, really approaching things from a scientific standpoint, I had to deal with the fact that I was having clear expressions and memories of other times, other lives, other bodies that I had incarnated into. And having those experiences taught me that life doesn't just end or begin with this one body, that life is a continuum. It's a process and a journey through being, becoming, and incarnating into forms. And I didn't go through this alone, of course, and I won't elaborate too much because we're focused on other topics here, but I had to realize that there were people in my life that weren't new to me in my life. They were actually people that I had gone through many experiences and events with in the past. And somehow through the grace of the pattern of universal intelligence, whatever you want to call it, it happened to be that I've chosen to incarnate at different times with different people and in different ways to learn different lessons in my relationship with them. In some cases, I incarnated with someone who was once my lover and in another lifetime, they were my mother and birthed me. I experienced that too, Adam, you know, as a previously analytical, logical, scientific-minded person who was an atheist, it right. is, it's shocking, right, to have those yeah. realizations, those vis- visualizations and downloads and memories come through, and you just can't deny once you really start to access that side of our reality. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's so much more about relationship than just belief, because most people have had an experience of essentially meeting somebody and just knowing that they know them, like at a deep, profound level that can't be explained by the events that have occurred. And that might be a feeling of deep attraction and connection. It might be a feeling of repulsion, like an enemy, uh, somebody that you went to battle against and you don't know why you don't trust this person but some sense of past betrayal or things like that come into context. And, you know, this has led me to look at um, more deeply certain kinds of events that certain souls have with each other. Mm 
outside of the boundaries of just, this is just how it is. And, and I had an experience early on in life where I met a soul. I experienced a soul through my spiritual journeys and experiences that wanted to incarnate through me and my partner at the time. And I thought that that was going to happen, but it turned out that because of my, the nature of my partnership and my journey in life, that that was not the right container for that soul. And I have since felt in connecting with that soul, that being moved on mm -hmm. and incarnated through somebody else. Now that's like, that's like a soft entry to the conversation that says, I've also experienced women, friends of mine who had a child going into their body that had chosen to go into their body. They are literally pregnant. And there's this feeling of this connection with this being mm -hmm. that isn't just in here yet, that it's like still here, but they're pregnant. And there's this relationship building happening. And then at some stage, they lost the child. And it's, it's a crushing experience to feel like a, a life that you are creating inside of you is, is dying, that that life is not going to come through you. But what I found was so beautiful was that they didn't feel like they lost the relationship with the soul. In other words, there is a body in them and that body was not able to be born but the soul relationship still was maintained and they were able to then get pregnant under better conditions later. And in their own conversations with me and sharing with me shared that they knew there was no way they could raise that child in the right way in the previous context. And, and that's a miscarriage. And that, and, and in some cases, depending on, you know, what the case is, whether it's by choice or it's just happened, you know, if, it, if, if it's by choice, you know, sometimes that might be a, a process of honoring life, right? By knowing that it's not the right time for that soul, right? That at a different time in a different place in a different body, that that life may actually be so much more beautiful, yeah. And it gets even more interesting and complicated, you know, emotionally and otherwise, when we also look at situations where, where a mother bearing a child, there's complications during the pregnancy and those complications could kill the mother and the child. And, you know, these kinds of situations, um, do occur they're, they're rare, but they happen. And in these kinds of situations, you know, there is a very, very real solution, which is aborting the child before the child is born that can save the life of the mother. And, and this condition, this case, these kinds of cases, um, like there are many, many women throughout our communities that go through these experiences, there's a lot of women that get pregnant and in a lot of different situations, um, <clears throat> sometimes in the loving embrace of a partnership and other times through violence and through things like rape and that kind of situation. Now imagine you've been raped, you've got a child that you're bearing 
And now you discover you have a complication that you might die by actually trying to see through this childbirth. Now, what we're really dealing with here are some of the deepest fundamental concepts around life, around incarnation itself, around the difficulties that people face in this life process. And that like, it's not just about saving a life of a body within you. It's about this greater understanding that within the choice of a woman going through an experience, you, you cannot honor life and not honor her choice within that context of life because both are connected. Right. And, and this is really important because it's, it stops creating this barrier line that says you're either for life or you're for death. In other words, in some people's perspective, it's pro-life or pro-choice means you're pro-death. Right. And that's actually not, not the case. It's yeah. not that fine of a line. Yeah. And there's a lot more for us to look at in the context of these situations in order to, you know, better honor life across the board, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. And that's not even to get into the reality of things like governance and sovereignty, which we should, yeah. we should go to. But I wanted to open this to you, Jenna to share with me some of your thoughts and insights across these spaces as well. Well, I, I love what you were referencing around the woman who was having the relationship with the soul, you know, before, before that soul even came in to the body of the baby. Right. And that, and, and that it really is a, a choice, right. That that soul is making to come in at a particular time. And, you know, aside from, you know, your personal experiences and what you've learned through life and, and, and all of that, you know, there's also fantastic research on this topic, right? So much research on the topic of, um, uh, you know, souls when they're in between lives. And we, we learn about that through past life regression and, you know, altered states of consciousness and, and that sort of stuff. And, and we, we have so many case studies now that, that tell us, you know, what that process is for the soul that's coming in. And I think by zooming out and, and looking at it from that perspective, that really helped me get my mind wrapped around this topic, you know, for, for years, being a former atheist, you know, I, I was pro-choice, but I didn't really think about it within this greater context, right? And, and I have been over the last few years, even for myself, right, as a woman of childbearing age and thinking about, is that something I'm going to do? Is that part of my life path? You know, thinking about all of the complexities there and all of the choices that we have or did have. And, you know, I think about the the idea of a soul not necessarily coming in within the first couple of months usually and that's you know in a lot of case studies on this topic and you know when i started to sit with that that also helped me just emotionally right feel better about that choice if that was a choice i ever had to make sure. and and you know i think it's it's also part of honoring life to, to really honor choice and to, to honor how difficult 
some of those choices have to be, you know, like you said, there are situations where, you know, we are in the creative process, right, of creating life in the most beautiful sense, you know, in a divine union scenario. But then there's also a lot of trauma and distortion on this planet that has led to that process happening in violent ugly ways and and unfortunately we're in a situation where a choice needs to be there in those those cases right i think for women um as part of honoring life and so you know i just i love what you talked about around honoring life and around the the relationship we build you know with other souls and how you know when a soul maybe doesn't come in through one mother it it finds the next one right and 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 that that process of life evolving in the universe doesn't stop with us making a choice that might be hard mm -hmm. yeah that's that's beautifully shared and thank you for your personal just your personal reflections on that and and journey and consideration of choice around that and and it's it it is you know we can't underscore enough um, the difficulty that some people face. And I, I find it really challenging when I have, you know, I've, I've done some posts essentially saying like, wow, you know, taking away this power from women to choose for themselves is a really, really big deal. And it's like, we can't just move by this and pretend that it's not like a major issue here on many fronts. And to have many men attacking me essentially saying how can you be spiritual and believe that like you know that someone should be able to take a life like this and kill a baby um and and i look at that and i converse with them and i i really you know look at this this sense of guardianship this desire to protect life yeah. and and i say well okay you have this great desire to protect the life of a person, yet you're condoning the idea that a government legal body that is not you, by the way, it's constructed of representation, it's constructing legal spells and laws that are intended to govern our ways of life, and you're essentially saying you would rather that this external body that that you're essentially saying i trust you to enforce this rule and this law upon me that you're saying that that other body should have the right to police and enforce the life and the choice of an individual person an individual woman now this is where the political thing gets really kind of strange and confusing, we start seeing that there's deeper consciousness issues to this because, you know, traditionally in the United States, you would generally put the people on the right side or the red bucket or the Republican bucket as being those that are saying less government power, less government control, right? And yet in this place where it overlaps with essentially what often gets defined as Christian values, but it's actually just values for life, essentially. And suddenly now the opposite is true, that you want the government to decide that a woman can do or not do a certain thing with her own body, you know, and, and suddenly there's a disjunction there. 
And we deal with this disjunction in all areas, by the way. And I'm not, I'm not just pointing the finger at Republicans, for example. I can point the same finger at Democrats and say, look, okay, here's your approach to education, which is great. You want to make sure people get off the ground. You want to make sure that families are funded and that there's plenty of food, you know, um, food certificates for people to make sure they can feed themselves and supporting the homeless. And yet you're going to roll in a mandate protocol that's going to essentially try to establish a law that's going to tell me what are, I can or cannot do with my own health and my own body in the guise of protecting the whole, right? And so the same distortions are there and they all are interconnected around the fundamental principles of sovereignty of life itself. Like, because when you talk about life, what does it mean to be alive? It means that I'm in this living body and I can make choices and choose what I'm going to experience as I'm evolving through my spiritual journey of existence. So in a very real sense, if you take away the ability for a person to choose specifically for themselves, by the way, like for their own body, and yes, perhaps another body can be seen as another life, but it's also inside of someone's body. And that relationship, that private relationship between a baby and their mother, that is in, in my sense of, you know, legal terminology and our journey and creating governments over time, like the founding fathers creating this country baked into the constitution that states should never have the right to invade upon private contracts made between individuals in relationship. Now, that's interesting because most people don't even know Good that point. they have the right to private contracts outside of the government institutions. That's where trusts come from. That's where private member associations come from. All of these churches are private contracts in a sense. But think about what is the most private contract, the most sacred private contract we have. Yeah. That's our relationship with our own body, our own self. And so we've known that is not territory for government to invade your choice to make with your own self. And, and I try to impress upon people some sense of the ramifications of choosing otherwise by saying, okay, this governing body, this police force, et cetera, shall decide and choose for me what is best under the guise of some policy of ethics that's not mine, it's collectively chosen as the better than mine or whatever, right? And now I no longer have a choice. Think about how that can affect our power of choice, our lives, the life of all humanity on the planet. Um, that's the level of depth. That's the heart of what we're really getting to here. Yeah. And that, that is free will, right? Like that sovereignty that you're talking about. And my understanding is that our source, God, creator, whatever you want to call that being that we are a part of in this universe gave us free will. We have free will as beings, right? To operate, to choose, to, to learn, to grow through that choice. That is part of 
how spiritual growth and evolution occurs. That is a tenant, a fundamental tenant yes. of our reality. And that's not necessarily being upheld on earth, right? In the way we are operating and the way we have attempted to play God with each other, right? And in, in many ways. And I think you bring up a great point around you know, both sides have had distortion here in terms of bodily autonomy and sovereignty. And, 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 and so, you know, it just, it presents an interesting thing for us to all step back and reflect on, right? That if I hold up sovereignty and bodily autonomy as an, a, a thing that is important here, should it not be important here, right? So we have to reconcile those things. And I also want to touch on something that you you know, we're referencing at the very beginning there around, you know, men largely feeling this responsibility of protection of life. And, and, and that makes sense to me, right? That that's where that, that drive, that urge comes from. And I think this also is a, a symptom of the distortion between masculine and feminine on our planet, right? We've had a major imbalance between the masculine and feminine. And, and this is a, a symptom of that as we're trying to break through this, this, this barrier, right? That's been there to, to balance those opposites. Yes. Beautifully said. And, and if we just look at, you know, the last hundred years in this country, um, and in many places around the world, what we see is that there have been collective agreements made by men, <laughs> you know, to essentially establish this is the way things are going to go. And interesting, it actually didn't encompass everyone, right? Like there was, it, it wasn't just men, it was white men, <laughs> you know, and then like, you know, then there's, ha there's had to be a whole process of essentially breaking down this sense of external power and governance over the right of an individual being alive. And, and the idea that, that even other races in some cases were not allowed to have those same rights of life. Why? Because of the color of their skin, because of the, the areas of the planet that they came from or evolved from, um, because their cultural perspectives or narratives are different from the sort of like white British empire or the Roman empire before that, or whatever, you know, you want to name. This has happened many, many times. And so these kinds of essentially totalitarian regimes of control that have occurred have existed forever. They're just generally um, lenses that have been applied through racial, racial prejudices. And then in the last you know, century or so, we've really seen and woke up to the fact that there's also tons of gender prejudices. And these gender prejudices are still strong. Like there have been immense levels of work done by powerful and beautiful and amazing female bodied individuals, whether they identify as women or other genders who have essentially brought forth the realization to many that these kinds of gender-based prejudices exist across the board, from business to government to, to all the way down to now, here we're dealing with the very heart and core of it, a woman's ability to either bear a child or choose not to bear that child if 
it's not the right conditions for them and their life. And, and that is, again, touching at the heart of the most sacred choices that we can make. And standing for women making this decision, and yes, there are women who are like, no way, pro-life all the way, like, you have to bear that child. But I guarantee those women have not been raped and, and had a child in them. I guarantee it. Like, I, show, show me data of a single woman ever that has been raped, got pregnant, and would basically believe that being pro-life is the only way and they have to bear that child, they have to deal with it. That's the only choice there is, period. I, I imagine that it doesn't exist. <laughs> and, and if I, there's data to the contrary, I would love to hear someone's story who's gone through that because I think it would also be very educational to see the kind of internal struggle of development that that person had to go through. And you can start to essentially imagine these kinds of processes as higher level spiritual struggles going on within the individual, within life, within karmic patterns, in relationship with souls that are incarnated or not, and, and these deep and powerful lessons that, that are being learned in the evolution of consciousness. Um, so. Well, and for, and for so many people, I think that have that, that, uh, mindset, right. That we should carry a baby if that happened, right. That that is the only choice. My, my understanding is that mindset comes from a place of kind of fear of God and fear of, you know, is that okay with God, right. That, that the only way to please God and to go to heaven and the only way to, you know, appease our creator is to, to do that. Right. That is not my understanding. What I think, and we can just look around our planet, you know, and reflect on this. I think what might please the creator, if that's what we're doing here, you know, if, 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 if it's about making our evolution, our world, our reality more positive and, um, you know, following, you know, kind of the laws of God or the universe, that would be about making life better for all. And that would be about, that would be about honoring life in all forms, right? And 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 what we're talking about here, and and I think you know we've 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 we recognize there's so much distortion on our planet from that that kind of misinterpreted standpoint of God and that misinterpreted information we've been delivered that says we're going to go to hell if. Yeah this happens, right? Like, I think it kind of comes down to that for some people. And I, and, and I, I, I worry about that because I, I don't want people to live in fear around that because I, I don't think that is the reality that we're dealing with. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's a, it's a long old challenge. Um, and we can say that, you know, there have been, you know, movements and progressions in sort of understanding our relationship to a creator, to God in different religions across the planet. It's not a static relationship, right? Like if you look just a couple hundred years ago, if you were a woman and you were out, you know, just in the woods behind your house and you happened to do that naked and you were gathering herbs, like if somebody saw you doing that, 
And I'm talking about in your own privacy of your own home, in your own woods, behind your own house, right? They would think if, if they were of certain uh, Christian lineages, in this case, I'm pointing to, and there's other egregious kinds of issues like this in Muslim and, and um, you know, Islamic and essentially in Judaism and in, you know, all the major religions have their, have their uh, issues in different ways, let's just say. Um, that we can have a lot of compassion for because we're all just learning and growing here together. But essentially, you know, if you were one of these women collecting herbs or you you were seen making an herbal poultice to heal a wound on, let's say, your husband who just came back from the war fighting for the other armies that are part of your, you know, religion, essentially. Um, and, and it worked and or people saw it, they may have thought that you were evil because of that. Just because of your use of herbs for healing, just because of your use of dancing in the woods, or, you know, God forbid you had a fire and you were with your sisters and you're communing in the woods together in nature and like, you know, singing under the stars, <laughs> my God, you're I'm all sorry, gonna I... get rounded up and burned at the stake for that. I, I have to say just how absurd it seems now, right? Like just the, just you talking about it that way, yes. like can we all just take a minute and think about that was not that long ago and we thought right. that was okay, right? Like like yes. people thought that was okay that- Yes, that and, and by the way, the same the same laws in religion were established then too i mean the commandments and the bible and all the structures the same the same fundamental tools of belief were there at that time right and those same tools of belief basically said that it was okay to murder this woman because we believe that she's a witch and you know must must be worshiping the devil and by the way, we're going to kill her either way. If she admits it, we'll kill her faster. If she doesn't, we'll torture her until she says she is, right? Like, and that level of torture and murder somehow was justified as okay by God, while other kinds of murder are not, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and, and this is not just a fringe cases. I'm literally, for those that are not aware of this, I'm talking about hundreds of thousands to millions of women across Europe in particular, um, murdered because they did not operate within the tight constraints of the way that the uh, traditions were being laid in by Christianity at the time, right? Well, these or, women. Or in Islam, a woman showing her face in some cases would be beaten and murdered, and that still occurs at times, right? Yeah. Well, and these women, you know, just to point out, were really carrying a lineage of spiritual wisdom, right? So what you're talking about there is this rise of patriarchy, this rise of distorted church doctrine, right? That then attempted to overpower, suppress, quiet, get rid of ancient wisdom that has been on this planet and does survive to this day that you and I both subscribe to and have studied extensively. And, and it's by understanding that, that history and understanding the, the ancient wisdom that was our spiritual truth and contains within it a lot of spiritual truths about how the universe works, 
Yeah. That's that's what you know we've we've been missing over the last few thousand years that has led us to you know this place you know we're at on Earth now. So I think that's really important context for this conversation too. Um, yeah, it really is, and it's it's also deeply connected to the sense of who we are, our sense of self. You know, you want to talk about sovereignty, you know, and life, and it's really about knowing who you are and. You know, I've had the the great blessing of being able to work with many indigenous elders and kids from different indigenous traditions, many of whom didn't even really connect with or know their traditions, except for, you know, through what the elders were trying to teach them, but they were into hip hop and wanting to, you know, whatever, like just hang out and do different things and not actually participate in ceremony. Um, and And being the kind of white kid, right, the white guy, who's like a white cisgendered male in the space who is not of those traditions and yet deeply wanting to learn, wanting to explore and having memories of being in those traditions, right? And then essentially coming to the reality that my own ancestral traditions were completely lost in these same processes and mechanisms. Like I'm over half Irish, and what do you do when you ask people, you know, what's, what's Irish? Uh, well, Irish culture is leprechauns and Guinness beer and potato farmers, you know, and like, there's some like Celtic traditions back there. I don't really know much about, but I think it has to do with fairies and leprechauns and stuff, right? Like that is so far from the truth of what Irish actually means and ancient Irish traditions and ancient Irish knowledge. And why is that? Well, because the ancient Irish wisdom was actually about understanding the power of the four directions and the four elements. It was very indigenous in the way we point to Native American traditions in the sense of connection to the earth. And we have sacred symbolism that connects us to the earth. And that sacred symbolism is the pentagram, which incorporates the elements and spirit or life force, that which incarnates into matter and goes from it. And we have sacred knowledge traditions that wove themselves into tarot cards and playing cards. In other words, sword and chalice, staff and stone, going all the way back to the Tuatha de Danann, who arrived in the British Isles, riding clouds, bringing four treasures from the three sacred islands in the sky, by the way, and, and who carried these traditions into Celtic wisdom and lore and the knowledge of how nature is alive and can be communicated with, the fact that the dragons are part of the life force of the planet and can be communicated with, that you can ask nature to rain, you can ask nature to, to grow and to do fire mitigation for God's sakes for you. You know, you can have a relationship with life and with nature and with the universe that, that in every other sense, you know, now we would look at as a relationship with God. We would look at as, as like communing with God and asking God to do things, praying to God to do things. It just happens to be that there was different language used in those contexts. And that language, even all the way down to the understanding of certain spirits and forces of nature, for example, Pan, who is the goat god, who is a force of nature understood to be the energy of fertility, 
and birthing, giving life, right? The energy of fertility and life force that allows women to get pregnant, you know, births to happen, that allows the seeds to germinate and to, you know, essentially sprout so that you have abundance of food on the land to feed the people. And what happened when the Roman Empire came through, they took the Catholic Church's perspective and said, oh, this goat god, this is a demon, this is the devil, and so basically outlawed sexual expression, right? Why? But, you, you know, you really get down to the why, and the why is because from a military standpoint, they were trying to outbreed and stop the breeding of the local tribes so that their armies could take over those places. And how do you outperform groups like that with military takeovers? You make their sacred symbols evil. You co-opt their religious traditions. So the sacred gates, the four corners of the year, you know, the solstices and equinoxes, you know, all the way to Easter, which, by the way, is, is a Celtic tradition called Ostara, mm -hmm. but then became renamed as Easter, right? And Yule in the winter solstice became Christmas, right? And Samhain became All Hallows' Eve or Halloween, right? And you start realizing that, that all of these ancient traditions that were part of the peoples of the planet are still being celebrated, but they were co-opted and essentially transformed into another form in order to establish control over those people while essentially still letting them celebrate. And so this stuff, these threads are at the heart of this conversation because it, the idea of sovereignty and honoring our lineage and honoring where we came from requires us to actually do the work to learn where we came from and what has happened and how making choices like this in the past that say this governing body should have command over this because this is the ethical truth has resulted in more murders and death and the wipeout of cultures on this planet than anything else. And that's, that's the heart of what we have to be careful around if we are truly pro-life, if we're truly supporting life on this planet, which I do and I am 100%, um, these are the kinds of things we have to look at to, yeah. to really do that and stand for that and be guardians of that. I think that is so well said and so important. And I think another piece of historical context that might be important for the audience is that in those ancient times and in many indigenous cultures around our world, those cultures were matriarchal cultures. Those cultures, communities, nations were led by women. And there was an understanding of this life-giving power that women had and this ability that women and the feminine has to bring balance and harmony to situations. And then the men, the masculine, were the protectors and the guardians of that and, and helped honor life through that. And so what we're really talking about here, again, is this symptom of thousands of years of distortion that led to the systems we have today. And, and we have to take a deep, hard look at whether those systems are spiritual in nature or whether those systems are actually materialistic in nature and are they really just about control and power 
because of the distortion that that has happened. So I know we're we're getting close to time here and need to start to wrap up. So you know I'd love to to just open it up to you, Adam, to share with the audience any final words of wisdom about how we move through this time and how we stay engaged in dialogue that leads to solutions. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's I I'd say that you know the foundation here is to understand that everyone is coming from a journey of their perspective and the perspectives that they have have often been laid in by their family by their church by by the people they hang out with um you know i know that for me as a child just being around parental figures that had certain political perspectives you know shaped my my perspectives and I thought certain things must be the right way because that's the way my parents thought that was the right way, right? And as I, you know, developed in my own consciousness, I began to realize that different political groups and particularly political parties, but you can also extend that to everything from the Green Party to libertarians to socialists to, you know, political standpoints, you know, um, conservative, liberal, like all of these things, each of these political ideas is essentially like a, um, an expression of need that consciousness has. And I've come to believe that the right way forward as a people choosing to make decisions together is to actually begin to acknowledge the needs that are served by each one of these political stances. Start to more holistically look at what it is that we're really asking for, whether, you know, you're the pro-lifer or you're the pro-choicer, like what is your, what are you really standing for? And how can we as a people honor those needs? How can we better understand those needs? How can we better love each other through those needs and balance our collective needs with the individual sovereignty, which is at the heart of us succeeding in fulfilling any of those needs in the first place. If we don't have that individual sovereignty, we are not going to create a collective that's good for all, period. Like that's the balance. The collective needs to be served and the individual needs to be served. And those are the two parts of consciousness and life and evolution. And so um, I'm actually part of a community of people that are doing some really amazing work in this space. Um, there's a conference coming up in Austin in October, and it's called the Independent national convention and and the reason it's called the independent national convention is it's essentially a way that we're saying let's gather everybody no matter what your belief is no matter what your political affiliation is we believe that there's something transcendent to these duopolies and binary spaces of argument and control and that to solve these issues for all we actually need to gather and we actually need to come together and align as independent people, not, not as Democrats, not as Republicans, not as what we are independent individuals that are choosing ethics and pathways that are good for all life. And how can we serve all life? How can we create an all win situation where everybody is stoked 
It doesn't matter what your economic status or what your background is, that everybody can be served. So if you're in Austin or you're interested in that, um, there will be more materials on that. I'll be putting out through my website at adamapollo.com and feel free to come jump on my newsletter. I only send out things every once in a while for events or for big things moving in the world. Um, so you, uh, don't worry, I'm not going to spam you and try to get you into some paid programs or something. I'm not into that. Um, I'm into helping us see and understand what's moving here on the planet. And, and I would encourage people to consider softening their stance, softening their polarity, and actually opening up to the stories of women around them, for example, and asking them questions about what they feel is right and believe in terms of these issues. And, and learning from each other is the way that we come to these more holistic places of understanding. And, you know, and from those places of understanding, we can actually recognize that we never really needed a Roe versus Wade in the first place, by the way. Like, no government policy should ever have been the thing to validate the private right of an individual woman. And... You know, I know plenty of women who are like, they've got herbs passed down from their grandma and passed down thousands of years that will help somebody if they need help in these kinds of situations. Because this is not the job of the government. This is the job of families and people to choose for themselves and to do what's right for themselves. And so I support that freedom of choice and that sovereignty with all individuals for all life, for all time. Thank you, Adam. Same here. Same here. I think it is possible to be both pro-life and pro-choice. That is the pro-life stance. And um, I think that's the end goal, right? That we're making this world as blissful and amazing for everyone as possible. And it starts with honoring each other's sovereignty and honoring each other's journey and, and learning about that and understanding that in a deeper way. So thank you for having this conversation and digging into this with me. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a big topic. You know, it's not not one that we, you know, we don't normally get into political topics at Star Family Wisdom, but there's also an aspect, right, of us living in our physical world that necessitates these conversations sometimes, right? Because we're living in these systems and we have to talk about it. We have to, to have these hard conversations, these important conversations. Thank you for sharing your time with the audience again and, and having this convo. Everyone, check out Adam's work. Get on his website. You can check out links to his information in the show notes. And we'll see you next time. I look forward to that, Jenna. Thank you so much. Thanks, Adam. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends if you felt like this was an important conversation that others should hear. Please share it. We, we want to open this door, open this dialogue, and we'll, we'll see you all next time on the next episode. <laughs>